Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Tuesday, January the 16th, 2024. As regular viewers know, I last week was at the DLD conference in Munich. Lots of interesting conversations with venture capitalists and entrepreneurs on the, on the cutting edge of technology. And one conversation really struck home for me. Uh, a friend uh, who will remain unnamed telling me that I should be investing in Bitcoin because of all the political instability, the instability of central governments in the world. It's a hedge against catastrophe. Uh, Alex Garland, of course, is coming out with a movie next year, or later this year, actually, The American Civil War. And with Trump's victory last night, it seems as if, at least for pessimists, America might be on the brink of something it hasn't experienced before, which is why this piece um, by uh, a previous guest on Keenan, Frank Vogel, really resonated. Um, it's a piece which suggests in The Globalist that as cryptocurrencies soar, governments lose. Uh, so it's a kind of cause and effect about the undermining of central authority and the rise of Bitcoin, which has been doing very well recently. Uh, Frank Vogel has been on the show before. He is the co-founder of Transparency International and one of the world's leading experts on dark money. Uh, his book came out a couple of years ago, The Enablers, How the West Supports Kleptocrats and corruption endangering our democracy uh, is an early book uh, warning of the dangers of uh, our increasingly unregulated dark financial system. And Frank is joining us from a snowy Washington, D.C. So, Frank, how much of what you wrote in uh, in this recent piece about the the connection between the undermining of central government and the uh, investment in cryptocurrencies. How much of this did you write about in The Enablers? Or is this something that you've recognized recently? It's, I've been watching it for a long time, but I didn't include it in my book because, as you said, my book came out two years ago. And in the last year, I would say, there has been an incredible increase in public interest in cryptocurrencies, in the marketing of cryptocurrencies, and of course, in criminal prosecutions dealing with cryptocurrencies. So uh, I think we're in a new phase of crypto. Uh, Bitcoin started in 2009, but I think the last year has seen a very fundamental and I think dangerous trend. Frank, we live in the age of conspiracy theories, some odd, some a little bit more convincing. Again, you're all too familiar with that. To what extent is it credible to put an argument together say, suggesting that the rise of crypto is actually undermining government and therefore some of the money at least behind crypto may be being financed funneled fueled by institutions that, that, that seek to undermine stability for example putin's russia 
the total scale of crypto is so small relative to the world's financial system that uh, I don't think you can make the case effectively. On the other hand, there is a increasing use of crypto to finance terrorist organizations like Hamas. There is an increasing use of crypto to finance uh, unbelievable amounts of crime, particularly uh, in Asia, but I think also in Latin America. Uh, there's a new United Nations report out today about uh, the way in which crypto is used for money laundering in Asia. Um, so there are many aspects of it that are very, very concerning. But I think the point that one needs to understand about crypto is that it is building of fear. The marketing of cryptocurrencies is incredible. I mean, I've never seen a financial instrument marketed in this way. Uh, it's very forthright and it's going after retail investors. It's going after people, frankly, who don't understand the risk. And um, in doing so, they are saying you can't trust governments. You can't trust the established currencies of today, the dollar, the Swiss franc, the euro. Uh, you've got to be very careful about the leadership of the world's major powers. And crypto is a way of bypassing all of that and keeping your money safe. And of course, um, it's a great marketing gimmick. Everybody seems to be piling in with this marketing gimmick. It's dangerous. It is, it is today involving many millions of investors. We don't know how many because the whole crypto business is totally secret. It's astonishing. Um, and, and you laid it out, actually, I think, as, as well as anyone, Frank. I have to say, though, that in some of my conversations at DLD, which attract very influential and financially literate and certainly technologically literate men and women, um, maybe the marketing gimmick is just a gimmick, the idea of, of crypto being a safe haven from the collapse of government. But these people actually believe it, and they're the ones giving me advice. That's what triggered my interest in your piece. So this is not just rather, shall we say, naive retail investors who are falling for the great seduction of, of, of investing in crypto. This is also um, successfully convincing some people of wealth, some people well-connected, technologically sophisticated to shift at least some of their resources into crypto, isn't it? I'm not sure. I think you have to make a distinction in this kind of a financial market between the people who are really good at trading. They'll trade currencies. They'll trade gold. They'll trade anything, basically, that they can trade. Uh, they buy quickly. They sell quickly. And they love markets where price is very volatile. Crypto tripled in price in the last year. Yeah, up seventy percent. Right? If you go uh, if you go back though, ten years, you will see incredible uh, increases 
and D and falls in the prices of Bitcoin, for example, which is one of the most pop the most popular of the cryptocurrencies. And traders love that volatility and they make money out of it. And they're very good at it. Now, in addition to that, you have the very respectable big investment firms, Fidelity, Templeton, others, who have been given permission by the Securities and Exchange Commission in the last couple of days to launch shares, which will be on registered stock exchanges, whose value is tied directly to cryptocurrencies. They tell you in their prospectuses that this is very high risk. They say these kind of shares have never been issued before, but they see a market and they're going after it and they are promoting it as a market. Um, and frankly, uh, they'll do anything. If they see a new market, they see people making it popular, they'll cash in. So there's a lot of professionals in this game today. But uh, as of right now, we are talking about a market maybe with a total investment total of maybe $1 trillion or maybe 1%, just 1% of total global investment in financial instruments of all kinds. So, um, uh, Frank, are you arguing in a sense against yourself because you wrote this warning piece, which triggered my invitation to come on the show entitled cryptocurrencies soar governments lose but if crypto only makes up a trillion which obviously is a lot of money but not in the global market and should we really be concerned why write the piece warning because the increase is concerning the amount of transnational crime that is using crypto is concerning. We can't measure it exactly, but when the UN issues a report, we know we have to worry. Uh, when you have a hearing in Congress and you have somebody like Jamie Dimon, the chairman of JP Morgan Chase, publicly saying, when asked, what do you do about crypto? He said, shut it down. Yeah, and uh, quoting him from last month, he, he, he said, if I was the government, I'd close it down. He can't be clearer than that. So what I think we are possibly at the early stage of a dangerous market. I don't mind if wealthy people who are very sophisticated in finance get into crypto. They can gamble any way they like. What worries me hugely is the retail investor. The person who, for example, last year at the Super Bowl, FTX, which is a big crypto company, took out big ads at the Super Bowl. Right, and of course, that's Sam Bankman-Fried's company that no longer exists. Right, and he was prosecuted for fraud. And who was there to protect the investors who were taken in by those ads and put money in Mr. Bankman-Fried's fund? Uh, nobody. There is no regulation of these sort of And, and of course, there were Hollywood stars, very well paid. And, uh, yeah, uh, and more. And other celebrities particularly you, social media celebrities who were paid to promote FDX. Um, and you go, you go to the uh, website of Binance. That is the largest of all of the Bitcoin uh, companies. The first words you read are quotes, trust us. 
Binance was fined $4.3 billion by the US government last year for fraud in cryptocurrencies. Then you go to the website of Coinbase, which is the only stock exchange company listed in the US that deals in cryptocurrencies. And the first thing you read on their site is trust us. You can buy a Bitcoin as simple as anything. You can for as low as $1. It's a marketing game and I'm very worried about it. It's not regulated by, by any government, which is exactly what the marketers say is the advantage of crypto. And I think it's going to expand and it's expanding not only buyer beware for the retailer, small investor, but it's going to expand in dangerous ways in terms of money laundering, terrorist financing, organized crime, and including an organized crime by governments. And yeah, and of course, um, and we, we've had many shows on this organized crime when it comes to drugs, uh, sex with the massive sex crime industry. I mean, all of this is bound up together. But the, uh, the question uh, really, Andrew, is what happens to the proceeds from all that crime? <laughs> You're asking me, Frank? I'm asking you. Know, you. What do I know? Well, if you can hide the proceeds through totally unregulated mechanisms, systems like cryptocurrencies, you can get away with an awful lot. When Hamas is financed, through a crypto exchange based in Moscow, you really have to worry about global security. The Wall Street Journal broke this tremendous story about this Russian exchange called Garantex. Garantex has been sanctioned by the US government, but nevertheless, it is a mechanism that the Russians have used to transfer money directly to Hamas and the Iranians use it. So we're concerned, I'm concerned about the security side. I'm concerned about the criminal side. And I'm also concerned about just, you know, conning small investors who so unhappy about governments, so unhappy about the systems in which they live, which they feel they can no longer trust, that they are taken in by these ads that say, trust us. We are speaking with Frank Vogel, the author of The Enablers, co-founder of Transparency International, a man who I really trust, as it happens when it comes to making sense of this system. I also trust our sponsor, Liberties, a quarterly journal of culture and politics, doing a great job with excellent writers, some of the world's leading writers, strongly suggest people subscribe to it. Frank will get an annual subscription for free in reward for sharing his wisdom on Keenom. We're going to run a short feature on liberties and then we'll be back with frank to talk more crypto more of his warnings about the dangers to the global economy and to transparency so don't go away anyone beyond the news the noise there is nuance insight liberties it's not just a journal of ideas it's a meteor of intelligent substance it's the place to be for engaged citizens politics opinion substance Liberties is a triumph for freedom of thought, a quarterly of urgency, of cultural exploration, of intellectual delight, of immaculate prose. It's invaluable. Subscribe now or find Liberties at your favorite bookseller. 
And you can subscribe to Liberties at libertiesjournal.com. We are speaking with Frank Vogel, uh, the author of The Enablers, co-founder of Transparency International, and a man whose wise advice on uh, on Bitcoin, I think, is really well taken. Frank, remind us, I have to admit that what you're saying surprises me in the sense that these kind of warnings were ones that we heard two or three or four years ago, before the collapse of so many of these currencies, before Sam Bankman-Fried went to jail, before the collapse of FDX. You mentioned Binance. They're also under investigation. Even Coinbase uh, seems very dodgy, even if it's perhaps the least dodgy of these platforms. How has, and perhaps in the last year, how has crypto fought back? Different ways. Marketing is clearly one. Uh, I mentioned the Super Bowl marketing. These... But that was last year's Super Bowl. Well, no, probably, we probably won't get a crypto ad at this year's Super Bowl. No, and I hope not. But there has been very effective marketing by a lot of companies. There's also been lobbying in the end and litigation in the end, very successful by the big investment firms like Templeton, Fidelity, and others who and, and their representatives to get the Securities and Exchange Commission to permit uh, the creation of exchange-traded products, which are basically any shares that go on any exchange. Um, these are called ETFs. Uh, and they are new shares that mirror the valuation of a cryptocurrency or a basket of cryptocurrencies. Those big firms have been eventually successful and so we're now in a very different era for crypto we're moving from the totally underground crypto where we don't even know where firms like binance are located uh, i had dinner the other night in new york with uh, an old investor who believes in bitcoin and he tells me lisbon in portugal is now the center for the management of Bitcoin. And the reason, of course, for that is because Lisbon is also the center for startup tech in Europe. Yeah, and it's also uh, done all sorts of things with golden visas to allow people to buy citizenship if they put enough money in the country. And it's also the country where the prime minister recently stepped down because his chief of staff was accused of corruption. So maybe it's a good place for the crypto business. But although, the, yeah, I, I take your point, although there are lots the point, of other places which I assume would be yeah, even more sympathetic, although places like Bulgaria, of course, have had such a bad name because of the crypto queen. We've dealt with that. Let, let's talk specifically about Templeton and Fidelity. You've mentioned yes, them a couple of times. Yes. These are the bluest chip of blue chip investment firms. Who? They're not just eager for profit. Why have they changed their positions? Presumably these people have a degree of responsibility. Why are they now beginning to invest their clients' money in crypto? Because their competitors are doing it. It's a, it's, crypto has become, in some quarters, the sort of flavor of the month. Even people who you met last week in Munich were telling you about, uh, about it. So what happens? Templeton, uh, has issued a prospectus uh, about the new 
shares, the ETFs, which will be on the Chicago Board of Exchange, that's where they'll be traded, that are related to crypto. If you look at the prospectus, there's a, more than a full page of very small print uh, under the heading uh, risk factors. And, and I assume, are, Frank, you're one of the few people who actually read all that fine print. Yeah, I am because, well, I don't know if I'm one of the few, but the point is I hope everybody reads it. What they are saying there, uh, and they're covering themselves against any future litigation, is that issuing these shares is unprecedented. They don't, the shares could be extremely volatile and cannot be, the volatility cannot be controlled by them. And they go on with all the other risks. Uh, they're doing it because they see a market and they see a profit. And so do their direct competitors. But that doesn't make it any sounder from a point of view that I have when I'm concerned about the ethics of, of finance and i think the marketing of this is totally unethical who's marketing it frank you've mentioned that word many times it's a gimmick finance coinbase uh numerous other companies uh that are now out there with very attractive websites and they are and using social media to uh, tell people how easy it is to buy bitcoin and Ethereum and the other currencies that are known as cryptocurrencies. But let me just make one other point, if I may. Um, people need to understand a Bitcoin is not a coin. You can't touch it. You can't feel it. You can't see it. It isn't even a token, even though that's another word they use. Although you can steal it. Well, how? I mean, you've got a number that's in some sort of uh, amazing computerized system that only you have access to, supposedly, but who knows if that's true. Uh, and you are, you know, it's unbelievable. Why should you put your money into something you can't see, you can't feel, isn't regulated, and you don't know really who uh, is setting the values? Frank, some people be watching this and thinking uh, it's just another old fuck, doesn't really understand it. How would you respond to that? Well, they, they can have whatever opinion they like, but I, I want to make a very simple point. The traditional way in which investors and people who were concerned about the, the health of the global financial system would, would hedge would be in gold. That has been the traditional medium that has been used. And um, it's very interesting. The gold price has also surged enormously, uh, reflecting, I think, the same psychology that has gone into the surge in, bit, in Bitcoin prices. Um, but in the case of gold, you can feel it. It is a tangible asset and it has some usable value. Um, but the flavor of the month right now is much more leaning towards Bitcoin than gold. Uh, I think that um, we need to really, really reinforce. And so I, and this is why I'm so appreciative of you having me on your show, Andrew. Reinforce the fact that this is not a medium of investment for unsophisticated people. 
if the sophisticated investors want to take the gambling risk and the trading risk, and that's fine with me. But everybody else, beware. And we need regulation of this because if we don't, the criminal aspects will expand. Frank, uh, do you mind if I pay you in Bitcoin for this appearance? <laughs> Please give it to your favorite charity. In all seriousness, though, in the first wave, it seems as if most of the people who lost their shirts or their virtual shirts, at least on crypto, were young investors, young, inexperienced investors who were riding the wave, the same sort of marketing gimmick, although it was maybe more of an underground one. Some people might say, well, if you're stupid enough, even at Fidelity or Templeton to put some of your money, I mean, I'm assuming that nobody, that the Templeton and Fidelity uh, brokers would aggressively argue against putting all your money in Bitcoin. Oh, so, so some people might say there's only a trillion dollars in the in the world economy. What's the worst thing that can happen? Even if Bitcoin collapsed overnight, even if it simply went away, what's the worst consequence? Oh, in terms of the global financial system, consequences will be minimal. Uh, but as I said to you, that's not just the that's really not the premier risk that I'm considering. I'm not worried about that global macro global financial consequence, given the current size of Bitcoin and big currencies and crypto. Obviously, if it expands greatly, we do have to become concerned about those things. Meanwhile, we do have to be really concerned about the criminal uses and the fact that too many small people uh, could get involved with this and lose their shirts. And that would be just tragic. Um, and, you know, it's such a huge difference between suggesting to somebody that they buy, put uh, their saving in into a New York Stock Exchange index fund and putting it into crypto. The former is so fully regulated. They still can lose money. Of course they can. But we have regulations, and we have regulations for a good reason. And when the Justice Department last year fined Binance $4.3 the largest fine ever imposed on a financial company in, for international investment dealings, it was trying to send a signal out there. Because we don't have regulation, it was sending a signal we are going to really look for fraud in this industry. And the Justice Department is, and the Securities and Exchange Commission is, and the Commodity Futures Trading Commission is. And gradually Europeans will start to do the same because this is an area unregulated and therefore enormously open to potential fraud. Frank, uh... Trump, of course, won big time in uh, in Iowa last night. He is very critical of the state, of the legal state, also of the financial state in some ways, although one wonders whether any of his assets are in Bitcoin. How much of this distrust of centralized currencies is bound up with a broader distrust of all traditional 20th century institutions, from universities to the law courts? Um, to fin traditional financial markets and banks? I think 
that's the key point right now. I think the only explanation we can have of why Bitcoin has become so talked about, so popular, relatively speaking, as a new form of investment is because there are so many people who are truly disenchanted with the way in which their lives are being governed and their security challenged. I'll give you one example. Uh, it was suggested to me last week, I mentioned I'd spoken to an investor in New York, that the fact that the Europeans and the United States are thinking of using 300 billion of frozen Russian government funds to fund Ukraine's reconstruction. According to him, it's sending shockwaves through the central banks of many countries of the world who are saying, we shouldn't have all our money in dollars and Swiss francs. We better put some money in cryptocurrencies. Now, I have no evidence to suggest anything like that is happening. But this man believes it, and he is simply finding yet another way of saying we're all getting disenchanted with the stability of the financial system. We need to find an alternative. We are very upset. We are very pessimistic about the future, and therefore, this is our hedge. I think it's crazy, but uh, I think that's the only way you can explain uh, why the price of Bitcoin has done so well in the last year. And I think Donald Trump, with all his negative comments all the time, and with similarly negative comments that one hears from leaders in many other countries, you put all that together and it adds to this distrust in our basic establishments uh, of governance in every form, not only in the financial area, but across the board. So the establishment, or at least what was once the establishment, needs to fight back. Uh, Jamie Dimon said, as, as you noted uh, last month, that if he was the government, he'd shut it down. What should happen, Frank? What would you like to see? Obviously regulation, but how, how extensive? Would you agree with, with Dimon that it should be shut down? I'm not even sure even if the American government or the SEC decided to quote unquote, shut down crypto, whether it could. But what is realistic in 2024? I don't think it could be shut down. I think that every company that advertises publicly that it can buy and invest currencies, or for that matter, anything else on the part of the public, needs to be registered. And its registration, therefore, also needs to be regulated and monitored. Uh, if it turns out to be pursuing fraud, then it should be subject to the sort of penalties that already exist. But there should be a way in which the investor uh, can have some sort of sense that he or she is not just sending money off to a post office box that, frankly, they may never get their money back, even if they wanted to. So registration of all the companies involved in trading and dealing for the public in these investments, I think is a first very important step. And I think that's possible. I don't see why we couldn't do that. 
Finally, uh, a lot of people are moving into the space. Elon Musk, of course, who owns X and has been an investor or sort of ambivalent on crypto. There's an interesting piece about how he wants X as he turns it into a financial, wants to turn it into a financial exchange to take on the credit card companies and PayPal and banks. Should we be fearful of cowboys, financial cowboys like Musk, especially since he has very, very serious assets, as deep a deep pockets as anyone in the world today? The yes, the cent central banks almost everywhere today, at least in the West, um, are looking very, very carefully at the ways in which so called digital currencies could be used the, and regulated. Uh, if we do not want massive inflation in the world, we have to find ways to control the supply of money. That is the responsibility of central banks. And it doesn't really matter what form that money takes. If the money is or the credit is in circulation, there needs to be a mechanism to control it. Central banks are very hard at work today, looking at all of these kind of options, looking at what the Elon Musks and others are saying about digital currencies, about their Apple wallet, the Apple Pay, the PayPal, all of the rest of it, and to see how does that affect our monetary system. Um, but the difference here is all of those systems seem to have a basis in the actual delivery of goods and services or the production of goods and services and have an economic benefit. Cryptocurrency, as far as I can tell, has zero economic benefit. If somebody could explain to me why cryptocurrencies are truly useful and truly help economic growth or stability, then I think we'd have a different discussion. But I would make that differentiation and I would say that the work that central banks are doing right now to look at all of these potential alternative uh, mechanisms for credit and payments, um, I think is encouraging, actually.